Lima Charlie, loud and clear. Lima Charlie, alto y claro. Lima Charlie, fort et clair. Lima Charlie, wahidin wam. Lima Charlie, urusakute, akiraka de aru. Lima Charlie, loud and clear. Lima Charlie, sahat ke bahan hai. Lima Charlie, light and dialer. Lima Charlie, to ba zo zang. Lima Charlie, xin chu, ming ba. Lima Charlie, gromka i yasna. Lima Charlie. Loud and clear. You're listening to Lima Charlie News. That actually wasn't too bad. Not too bad. All right. Well, Go, new guy. Welcome to the Three Marines podcast, brought to you by Lima Charlie Sports, a division of Lima Charlie News, bringing you insightful news and analysis from military veterans worldwide. I'm your special FNG non-Marine guest host, Michael Gardner, and I cannot wait to get into the show with you guys today. Uh... I'm excited to be a guest host on here, but all seven of our listeners, don't you worry, here to my figurative left, the unholy offspring of Bane and Pele, it's Mario Figueroa. Mario, what's going on? (laughs) Hey, Mike, how you doing? Awesome, thanks. Uh, Really excited to have you on the show. Um, As you've already mentioned, uh, you're not a Marine, Uh, you're, you're a coastie, a coast guardsman, if you will. Um, you know, in, in this whole week leading up to the show, I was, I, I was racking my brain trying to think of some, some jokes to tell since you were the new guy and, and, and you were from the Coast Guard. And, and what I realized was that the Coast Guard is so far off my radar that I couldn't find or think of any Coast Guard jokes. I would literally just have to repurpose my Navy jokes and, and stick Coast Guard in there. Because it's like you guys don't even rate jokes. I don't know what to tell you, man. Well, you know, I, I appreciate that. You know, not, not coincidentally, uh, repurposing old Navy ships is probably what we're going to have to do in the Coast Guard uh, since we're the only armed service that's going to get a budget cut coming up. Uh, so, so so I didn't have any jokes, but I, but, but, I, but I do have this. What I wanted to do was I wanted, I, I was thinking to myself, all right, there's no jokes, what can I do? And and I thought, well, this is what I'll do. I will compare uh, movies made about the Marine Corps and movies made about the Coast Guard. All right, so you ready for this? So <laughs> just go. off the top of my head, off the top of my head, cultural classic, Full Metal Jacket, right? One of the most iconic uh, military war movies ever made. Right, uh, downright down right perfect. Uh, A Few Good Men. Uh, Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth, right? Another just, com- just instant classic in 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 the annals of, of of pop culture. You have Jarhead with Jake Gyllenhaal. You have Heartbreak Ridge with Clint Clint Eastwood. Sands of Iwo Jima with John Wayne. I mean, I I, I there's so many amazing movies. And then, and then we go to the Coast Guard, and what do we have? We have The Guardian with Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> Um, look, 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 look. Yeah, no, look. no, that's all I got. That's all. <laughs> they, they they, just made another one called The Finest Hours uh, about oh, a famous oh. lighthouse rescue. It's got Captain Kirk in it, Chris Pine, the the lesser of the three Chris's that are currently occupying pop culture. But, you know, I, I, I'm just going to take those body blows. They've made too many unassailable movies, pure classics about the Marine Corps. I, I'm going to go ahead and concede that one. I, Jarhead. And a few good men, especially there's 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 no comparison. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna respectfully just go ahead and take that L. And uh, <laughs> and 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 you know, loyal listeners, don't you worry, because here to my figurative right, 
the only thing more dangerous than salmonella from undercooked chicken. It's Stephanie Klein. Stephanie, talk to the people. Hey, Mike. So happy to have you here. I would just like to say also how excited I am that it took you about an hour to get your technological shit together. And that definitely breaks any record of how jacked up I've been on audio. So I'm very excited to not be the worst one tonight. Right, and Welcome. Marines are supposed to be the dumb ones, right, Steph? What, yeah, what, exactly. I couldn't even get his smoke alarm to stop beeping. Listen, I'm 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 coming in. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm trying to be Steve Nash here. I'm trying to facilitate. I'm trying to take the pressure off. You know, off off you Marines. I'm trying to make sure you guys feel comfortable. So if if I'm the technological uh, gremlin here, then I will go ahead and take that. Um, but but jumping right into it, you know, I I did. I did listen to all of the previous Three Marines podcasts, just trying to find some some. Oh, I'm sorry. Some no, no, no. It's okay. Don't don't apologize. Um, you know, I, I wanted to find some common ground that we have. Um, and I, I, you know, I went back through and I, I found a couple of things. And, and the first was, you know, I can't remember if it was Mario. I believe it was you that said uh, one of the, the few times you cried as a young child was when you were called an Oreo. Is that correct? <laughs> Why are you bringing up my shit, bro? I'm just listen, listen. As a as a biracial kid from California who looked and, and danced and acted like Carlton, I, it's it's something that I also suffered from. So you do kind of look like Carlton. I I you know what? I just wanted you to know uh, I'm with you on that. That's that's something that I also had to deal with as a child. So I wanted to wanted to hit you up with that. Um, I also one of the first things you guys talked about. I think it was episode one, right before the playoffs. You were, you were shouting out uh, Reggie Bush. He said uh, a very, very, very uh, interesting record this year. He was the only uh, running back to have more than 10 carries and finish with negative yardage. Uh, oh, yeah, negative yardage. Yeah. Yep. So now, growing up in Southern California, I played for El Camino High School. Uh, legendary coach Herb Meyer, who's since retired, he was the winningest coach in uh, California uh, history when he had retired. I actually played against Reggie Bush in high school. He went to Helix. It was a team that we scrimmaged quite often. Damn. Um, no shit. Yeah. So now he was, you know, he's a year, he was a year younger than me. Um, and my senior year, uh, in a, during a scrimmage, uh, you know, goal line, goal line scrimmage, I actually tackled Reggie Bush. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of guys out there, Division One athletes, sure, whatever. Uh, you know, guys at you know Fresno State, UCLA, they got embarrassed. I just want to put it out there, Reggie, if you ever want to come on, you know, and defend your honor against these slanderous Marines, I'm extending you an invitation since I know you're listening right now. So I know you keep track of everybody that ever tackled you, all 17 of us. I want to extend that to you. Um, and, and also, Mario, I, I remember it was something you'd, you'd put out there. You were, you were you know, big uh, Dark Knight fan, big Batman fan, big comics fan. I'm, uh, you know, it was one of those things where you had a, you had a quote. From there, it's uh, it's a, there's actually a quote from from Dark Knight Rises that I also use in, in in my personal business life. You know, when I'm when I'm doing meetings, if I notice that somebody's you know looking a little like you know a little too cocky, I will often place the back of my hand on their shoulder and stare them in the eye and ask them, <laughs> "Do you feel in charge?" <laughs> so it hasn't worked too all right. Hasn't worked too well yet, but you know it's something I still try. It's uh, you know what. It, uh, Coast Guard or not, if you talk comics to me, man, that's that's the way to woo me. So <laughs> keep that up. Keep that up and we will get along just fine. Absolutely. Well, I, I just wanted to jump right into it today. Uh, we're going to be doing heading into some uncharted territory here. 
on Three Marines. We're going to talk NBA. Um, and there have been a lot of different storylines. What the hell is that? It's the National <laughs> Basketball Association. It's a it's a sport. Oh, right, right. It, right. Is, it is also a sport. It uses a ball similar to soccer, only you can't kick uh, it. Um, uh, and it involves tall, coordinated people rather than shorter, coordinated people. <laughs> um, but the NBA is... Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a sport that a lot of people do follow. Um, there have been a whole bunch of different storylines going on this year. You know, they had some big trades around the All Star Game. Uh, LeBron's been playing out of his mind again, playing you know thirty eight to forty minutes a night. But the big story um, that I think encompasses a lot of things that we can talk about uh, ha- has been the one that's dominated the headlines. It's Kevin Durant going to Golden State. You know, and and Mike, if I can just say. I, I, I think I've admitted it before and I'll admit it again. I'm not a huge basketball fan. I don't know a lot about it. I, you know, I, I follow it, you know, passively just as a general sports fan, but this is something that's even on my radar. Like you can't be a sports fan and not know that this went down. Awesome. Yeah. This is, this is one of those stories that passes the mom test. You know, my, my mom doesn't follow sports too often. She didn't know which way I was supposed to go or wh- where the teams were supposed to go when I was playing high school ball. But when she, you know, I can always tell there's a big, big story, you know, if it's uh, Tyson Holyfield or something, when she's like, baby, you know, I was thinking about this Kevin Durant. Why did he leave all his people in Oklahoma City? So it, it, this is one of those that passes that mom test. But what I wanted to do is is talk about it with you guys today as it relates to a couple of things that I think that we can relate to as as veterans and, and you know, as people out in the world. It's loyalty versus agency. Um. You know, Kevin Durant played, was drafted by by Oklahoma City. Actually, he was drafted by the Seattle Supersonics, but we'll get to that here in a little bit. He played with the team yeah. for a number of years, re-signed a contract with them, and him and Russell Westbrook were Batman and Robin or Batman and Batman. Uh, and these guys were, were close. And Kevin Durant, after losing to them in the, uh, in the Western Conference Finals, decided that he was going to go and join Golden State, who already had three established superstars. And there's a lot of yeah. the ways we can unpack this. Um, he's, he took a lot of flack for it. You know, the, the, the reason this, this story had legs is because it was a real story. There were some angles outside of just numbers, um, which I know scare you guys, to this story. <laughs> no, well, well the, numbers, the numbers behind the dollar sign don't scare us as much. And so I'm, I'm really curious to kind of hear what the stories outside those numbers are, because from my understanding, the major number is that he will now be the number one paid player on the Warriors. Isn't that kind of the only number that matters? To some extent, but at the same time, uh, Golden State, or not Golden State, excuse me, uh, Oklahoma City could offer him more money. They could offer him an extra year and something like an extra 27 to $30 million. So when it came down to it, it wasn't about money. It was about a whole bunch of things uh, around kind of the environment and the culture that he was going to go to. The, the, the big thing with this was, you know, was he going to stay loyal to the team that drafted him, just like Russell Westbrook now has, and he's averaging almost a triple-double running the show by himself? Or was he going to go and basically, you know, was he going to leave his Midwestern wife and, and venture out uh, to one of these coastal elites out in San Francisco? Uh, and that's – people have taken a lot of a – lot of, <laughs> Goddamn coastal. A lot leads. of they, people took a lot of offense to this. It was insane. Um, but the, well, well, you know, you know, for me, the one of the things that I, that I pulled out of it was 
you know, a, a, a lot of reason this had this story had a lot more le- a lot more legs to it is because it was so intensely personal between Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Um, you know, they were friends. They were like you said, Batman and Robin. I don't I don't know which one would would acquiesce to the Robin title, but but that idea. I mean, they were teammates. They were squad mates. They were you know they were they were like they were a team leader and assistant team leader of the same fire team. Right. Right. You know, and 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 one of them said, hey. I'm going to leave the Marines and go join the Navy. (laughs) So, uh, you know, and, and, and I think that's why people, you know, were so invested in this story. It wasn't just the, he's leaving the team, like he's leaving his boy, you know, and, 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 uh, Russell Westbrook, he made it known like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a little brokenhearted about this. Right. That's, that's been a huge part of it is, you know, these two, with the same guys that were dressed by the same team, and they were supposed to be the ones to go down swinging. They were supposed to to fight the these dominant teams, the Warriors, these super teams that people are have been building. You know, people think back to LeBron and D Wade and Chris Bosh, and this was you know Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. It's these super teams, but if you think about it, there'd always been kind of a tension, an alpha dog tension between. Um, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, you know, early on in his career, nobody knew what Westbrook was supposed to be. He wasn't supposed to be this ball dominant point guard. They thought he might be mostly a defensive player and he blossoms into a guy who not only can score, but it ends up taking shots from Kevin Durant. Uh, he's, he's holding the ball every time they're losing they're They're wondering whether Russ is, is taking too many shots. If he should defer to KD cause he's this, you know, seven footer with amazing range. But really when it came down to it, they had tried. They tried for a number of years. The ownership in Oklahoma City hadn't necessarily done everything they could to keep the nucleus of a team together. There's the the kind of the infamous at this point Harden trade. And Kevin Durant looked at the landscape and said, I want to go play with these guys that share the ball, that have other shooters that are going to free me up. And really, you know, sports is the only arena where this is an issue. I mean, Steph, if you think about think about comedy, right, the comedy scene. Would anybody give you, you know, to give you any shit for going to SNL to go into work for the Upright Citizens Brigade? I mean, what if what if Amy Schumer or Donald Glover or Lena Dunham called you up and said, "I want you to be a writer on my show, or I want you to be, you know, a principal character on the last season of Girls or on the second season of Atlanta"? Do you, I mean, there's nobody that would look at you and go, "Wow, you're disloyal to Lena Charlie." <laughs> right. No. Well, well, first. First, I would pass out if any one of those people called me. Um, but yeah, I think there are a few steps between between Lima Charlie and that. But you're you're absolutely right, and uh, you know there are very few people who would say that that would be a, a bad move. But it kind of makes me question because you know I'm a I'm a huge sports fan, but I'm not that big of a fan of all the behind the scenes crap and a lot of the personality stuff. I just want to watch the sports. So for me, from what you're saying, it really seems like we're putting a lot of unfair burden on Kevin Durant to be the loyal one when it seems like the team wasn't really there for him trying to keep him there and be loyal where you know that just seems like kind of an unfair mark to me where if I were to get called up for SNL and you know of course Anthony offered me his house you know that that seems like more of a an equal move (laughs) our wonderful producer you know and and I would I would be the first to agree with you Stephanie you know I I like to I like to bill myself as as a more you know reasonable logical fan, 
Um, you know, but but for a lot of fans out there, I mean, that is the draw. That is the appeal of sports. It's not just the sport ball going in whatever hoop or net or crossing whatever touchline. It's it's the personal drama. It's it, you know, it they're deeply in. I mean, it, it it's like I mean, it's like when you watch a TV show or you watch a movie and you get in, you know, invested in the personal drama and the character development. You know, and, and it might you're right, it might be unfair, but we transfer that to real people when it comes to sports and uh, and, and fair or not, it's it's what happens. Um, and, 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 you know, and that's another reason why these guys make so much money. They they have to deal with that. They have to they have to put up with that. That's that's you know, they have to navigate that as much as they have to navigate the court. Um, and and like you say, it might it might not be fair, but it's just it's a reality of modern sports you know uh, modern celebrity really we live in the age of social media and, and and instant news everything is recorded everything is out there and we you know and and we we get all this data and and we and we uh we synthesize it and, you know in 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 the craziest ways and then throw it and throw it back on the shoulders of these celebrities and athletes and they deal with it how they do some of them deal with it better than others. I yeah, honestly I think that Durant and Westbrook handled it pretty well. I mean, I think there was some good drama in there. There was some tension um that and 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 that really paid off during the All-Star game when 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 and I think Mike I'll let Mike, you know, bring up that moment. Um <laughs> but but it, but it had some really great emotional payoff I think for the fans. Sometimes it gets ugly, but you know, I was I was I was kind of happy with the way this Durant Westbrook thing went. Um, the other point that, that, that I, that I want to make as far as why I think people got so wrapped up in it and got mad at Durant is the whole idea is again, you know, they were teammates and like Mike brought up, they lost to, uh, the Warriors in the playoffs, you know? And so the idea is, is instead of getting back up after you got knocked down and say, you know what, next year we're going to beat him. He said, Nah, I'm gonna join them, <laughs> you know, because I think I have a better chance of winning if I join them. Um, you know, logically, me being the logical fan, the reasonable one says, "Yeah, do what you got to do to go win a championship." Um, but a lot of people didn't like. Now, that. Mario, this this may be the only time that you called yourself logical and reasonable, and I'm going to agree with you. But I, I can't help to think that maybe. <laughs> Maybe there's something in in all of us as veterans that might understand people moving every couple of years to go find the next opportunity. I mean, all of us have had to do that to some degree where you get transferred to either a different unit. I mean, you know, during my time in the Coast Guard, you get transferred across the country. Um, and even, you know, with, you know, cutters or, you know, security units being sent to entirely different states to go do their missions. I mean, this is something that's built into the fabric of people joining the military. I, I, I just think back to, you know, the phrase that we all dreaded and hoped we didn't hear when it came time for assignments is the, the needs of the service. The needs of the service is yeah. going to move you across the country. And that's something that maybe fans anywhere, it doesn't matter if you're in Oklahoma city, if you're in Miami or, or if you're in New York, you're the person that's probably been there your entire life. You've watched the Miami heat teams of Alonzo morning and of Dwayne Wade's early years and, you know, the big three down there, or if you're heaven forbid, you're an LA Lakers fan. Gosh, some of those fans have, have been there for 40 years and they followed the pre showtime guys, the showtime teams, the Shaq and Kobe teams. And, and then the, the later championships that Kobe was winning. I mean, these are people who they have that, um, 
the burden of history to where they understand that. And then they're going to feel it even more when someone who's a part of their team leaves. I think that's a big part of it as well with, with this whole concept of loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there's a, you know, you bring up the, the fan and the play, there's such a disconnect, you know, right. Because like, like you said, you know, we're usually, you know, we come from one place. We've loved one team our whole life, but these players, you know, they come and go. They, you know, some last longer, you know, bless your heart. If you're Michael Jordan and you have the opportunity to stay with one team and have an amazing career and be able to dictate your career at one team uh, for your entire career. But, you know, that's not the way it goes for, you know, 90, what, you know, whatever percent, 95% of players, you know, they have to make the money they can make and take the opportunities they can take. You brought up our, our service and how we get moved around. Well, what if we had a choice? Would we not do what, what was best for us? You know, oh, there's the greater service, the, the greater needs of the country and the military. No, I want to be stationed here. Fuck, fuck you. No one would, <laughs> there would, there would be no Yuma. There would be no Yuma or right, 29 exactly. bombs. There would be no Yuma. <laughs> <laughs> One one thousand percent. So you know, and I think I think that's what we have to remember is these guys need to take care of themselves. These you know these athletes, men and women, they they have no. They, I mean, this sounds really shitty, but they have they have no uh, uh, allegiance or they have no responsibility to you, the fan. Um, they they have a responsibility to the team. They have a responsibility to themselves. And in that, you know, hopefully you believe that they, they're going to play their best and they're going to put on a good show for the fans. Um, but ultimately their career, their life, their family, their bank account has no allegiance to you, the fan. Um, and, and I think fans would be well served to, to, to understand that. Now that doesn't mean that they can't, we can't get wrapped up in the drama. Sometimes the drama's fun. Sometimes that's a part of the sport. But at the end of the day, you can't be punching holes in your wall over it. You got to you got to accept what these guys do because they need to do it. So in, in loving the drama, I have to I have to ask. Uh, so this all star game had the highest viewership in years. And do you think that was part of Durant and Westbrook's little drama fest that was going on? Oh, absolutely. Because I didn't watch absolutely. the game. Absolutely. OK, absolutely. I mean, and there was a, a bunch of talk about the, the Western Conference uh, locker room being you know quiet as a tomb leading up to it these are guys that had their locker lockers next to each other for eight years these are guys that did press joint press conferences together uh pretty much every press conference they did and before that alley-oop i mean people were talking about these the western conference all-stars were talking about how it, it was palatable they, they they really could feel like exactly how the, the the distance between these two players and before uh you know kevin throwing rust that alley-oop was really something that kind of broke the tension. I think that's that's a huge part of it. Um, but I mean, I mean, Steph, think about it. Like even even as somebody that doesn't follow basketball, this is something that shows up on everybody's radar. But Peyton Manning switching teams didn't. The Chris Paul trade didn't trigger this same type of of vitriol. I, you know, I'm trying to think of what about uh, in baseball when uh, Alex Rodriguez went to the Yankees. Right. I mean, there are countless other examples of people switching teams, even high profile teams, often even, you know, kind of even to rivals. Why did this one, you know, kind of resonate with so many people? I, yeah. 
What do you think, Steph? (laughs) (laughs) Well, being very close to the Westbrook-Durant drama, uh, I mean, clearly that that dynamic spurred a lot in the fans. I don't don't necessarily think Peyton Manning was that close with anyone else on his team that, you know, created such a unit that it was a bad thing when he left. I don't think that's the same with, with a lot of players. I mean, you get close to your team, but again, like you said, Mario, at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for you. You know, it serves your economic purposes to build an allegiance within your fan base, wherever you are. Because at the end of the day, it, it is entertainment. You are not being paid millions of dollars to play football. You're being paid millions of dollars to entertain people who will then right. in turn spend to millions sell, of to dollars. sell tickets. Right. Yeah. So. No, you're you right. Know, you're yeah. absolutely right. There, there's no loyalty there whatsoever. And. You know, I, I grew up in the military. I've never lived anywhere longer than just a few years. So for me, the feeling of someone staying more than like four years in one team, just I don't even get it. I, I would get bored. But, you know, I, I can see how people living in one place for that long would, would really start to feel more of a bond or connection with that team and those players. And and I think that definitely happens, you know, but, you know, it's a perfect storm of talent, marketability, results, and, and, you know, uh, a, a bond between player and, and upper management, a bond between player and fan, all these, I mean, there's so many factors that go in that that's why, uh, you know, only a small percentage of players ever get that, that, you know, that one team, like, I mean, look at Wayne Gretzky, the greatest hockey player of all time it's a good was one. sold off. It was sold off to another team, <laughs> you know, um, and, and one of the, you know, and one of the most mind-boggling uh, uh deals of all time uh near and dear to my heart of being from green bay and stephanie being a packer fan uh brett Favre leaving the packers you know i i, I can say you you want to talk about vitriol you want to talk about an angry fan base that that burned their brett Favre fandom to the ground it was when brett Favre uh, left the Packers. It, you know, it started when he went to the jets, but let me tell you when he signed with the Minnesota Vikings and, oh, and, st- and that, and it, I mean, when he put on that purple Jersey, green Bay rioted, uh, it, it was, it, it was insane. My little brother, he tore all his Brett Favre memorabilia off the walls and, 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 and walked into the living room and dumped it at my mother's feet, sobbing, crying, <laughs> saying why did he do this <laughs> i'm Damn. just like yeah no but but i mean that's that's what happened i mean there were grown ass men and women in the bars of green bay crying and screaming and cursing and swearing that we'd been betrayed oh how could he do this you know he was our hero he was our savior and now he's betrayed us and playing for the for the vike queens how how yeah, could he so- do this and i'm just i i, I i'm i'm sitting here to myself saying People, he gave us 16 of the best years of his life. He took us to two Super Bowls, won one, won three MVPs in a row, uh, brought us out of the obscurity and, 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 and despair of the 70s and 80s Packers and made us relevant again. The Packers are who they are today because of Brett Favre. And, and what everyone forgets is at the end of the day, it's a business. And the business, uh, the businessmen of the Green Bay Packers said, Brett, we don't want you anymore. We're ready to move on. And he said, 
he said, but I still want to play football. And they said, all right, go play somewhere else. And if that man wanted to go play football, I don't care if he put on a Bears jersey. I don't care if he put on a Vikings jersey, a Lions jersey. I don't care if he put on a fucking Cowboys jersey. Well, maybe that might be one jersey yeah, too far. But, but, <laughs> but the man deserves to, to do whatever he wants. And, 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 and damn a Packers fan for saying, no, he shouldn't. After Ooh, everything amen. he gave us. Now, for the, everybody keeping track at home, that is uh, Mario Rant 1 here on the podcast <laughs> and now while you're while you were referencing the hey, uh, hey i made it i just want i just want to say that i made it almost 30 minutes before i, I went on a and and we have a gift certificate for you waiting in the studio <laughs> but while you were while you were hitting on on the crocodile tears and those packers fans cheese curds um i, I you hit you hit on something earlier that, that really resonated with me and that's their bond between management and the player and anybody with an internet connection right now can google clay bennett and really get into you know what kind of loyalty does an organization really owe someone like kevin durant i mean clay bennett's somebody who his background was you know, he was somebody that, that was part of the ownership group of the san antonio spurs he had been looking to get a team in you know into oklahoma city for a while that's that's where the hornets relocated for two years after katrina that's where they played all their games and him and an ownership group bought the Seattle Seahawks and were supposed to make a uh, air quotes super uh, good faith effort to keep them in Seattle and then moved them when they couldn't get $500 million from the city to build a stadium. Then they went and built right. a stadium in Oklahoma city that looked almost the exact same. Yeah. Loyalty. It's, right? it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> and then if you think about it, I mean, this is, this is an ownership group that made, had a terrific record, four straight drafts where they got somebody who was an all NBA player. Then they trade James Harden for 72 and a half cents on the dollar after they lose in the finals to LeBron. You could have kept that nucleus together. Uh, this is the same team that wouldn't get Kendrick Perkins' contract off the books when this is a guy that couldn't, he couldn't score two points, four points a game. This is an organization that. Uh, you know, it seemed like they tried their best, but they they've shown there wasn't a lot of loyalty to this. How do people in Seattle feel about the loyalty of the Oklahoma City Thunder? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And uh, man, you're begging me to go on another rant when you start talking about ownership, uh, trying to trying to uh, uh, scam money out of out of the local taxpayers to build their fucking stadiums. Um, but but you're absolutely right. They had no loyalty to Seattle, uh, and and they moved the team to Oklahoma City, and it, exactly what does a what does a player owe an organization like that 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 shows that they will do anything to make a dollar and they will do anything that serves their own self interest? Tell me what a player, what an individual should do in the face of that. What? They should take care of themselves. Well, it's no different than the NCAA, except that players in the NBA actually do get a paycheck. NCAA doesn't care about the individual athletes. Same thing with the NBA. They are out to make money. It is a business, as you said. So, you know, and I'm sure plenty of management made tons of money on the All-Star game. And I'm sure the added drama of not keeping, not doing enough to keep Durant, that's certainly added to someone's pocketbook. Because with that viewership, you know, at, at the end of the day, players don't get the loyalty if there's a better way to make money. They should think the same way. No, and especially when you think about this, I mean, sports is one of the only businesses where if you are 
if you are blessed enough and dedicated enough to make it as a professional athlete, barring injury, you've got, what, 15 years for most people, most non-quarterbacks? I mean, there's no other business if where that, you've got lucky. limited earning potential. Imagine if 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 uh, designing apps or if coding or if, if you were a trader on the New York Stock Exchange, imagine if that you know caused CTE, debilitating brain injury, to the point where you could only be a day trader for Goldman Sachs for 15 years. Don't you think these guys would jump at the best opportunity, the opportunity to make the most money they could? And, you know, in Kevin's sense, this is something that LeBron's talked about. The only thing that, that players at that, that threshold of greatness get judged on is championships. It doesn't matter how many, what your three-point percentage was your eighth year in the league. It doesn't matter what your field goal percentage was. It doesn't matter. It, none of that stuff matters except for the number of championships. And I think he saw the writing on the wall in Oklahoma City he wasn't going to be able to get to the number of championships that he'd probably need to secure his place in history. And that's something that's, that's important. These guys. No, absolutely. You know, at the end of the day, how many rings do you have? And if, if uh, Kevin Durant, you know, he, he sat down and he, 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 he really looked at it and decided, Hey, I got a better chance of winning a championship with these guys. Then more power to you, buddy. You know, go do it, go do it, because the team's not going to look out for you. You got to look out for you. You know, and 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 that's the mantra that I just keep coming back to tonight. Um, but I absolutely believe it. These guys, you know, everyone's like, oh, they're millionaires and they have this blessed life, and you know, everything is easy and great for them. Um, but they are in the steel trap jaws of of a ruthless industry, and they have to make sure that they, they, they get out alive and, and, and accomplish everything that they want to and still be able to, you know, put food on the table for their family. No, absolutely. And that level of scrutiny is something that comes with it. And every job is going to have those ancillary things that are going to be a part of what you have to put up with if you're going to be in them. I mean, I think NBA, NBA players are the center of culture right now in, you know, a, a world where the media is kind of fragmented, where social media is relevant, where people can get instant uh, gratification, they get instant access to all the news they want. NBA players, because you can see their faces, because you're used to seeing them as, as, as pitchmen for products, are the centers of culture in a way that, you know, musicians used to be in the, you know, 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s. I mean, you think back to people like Frank Sinatra, um, the Beatles, Michael Jackson, right? Those were the centers of culture. Right now, NBA players are are kind of that, and I think this is where the increased scrutiny comes from. Even even compared to other sports stars, even compared to someone like Brett Favre, um, it, it's it's people who you're used to seeing. You're not seeing, uh, you know, if Adrian Peterson changes teams, if uh, gosh, if Melvin Ingram from the Chargers changes teams, if Tony Romo changes teams, quarterbacks are a little bit different. But you're not seeing these guys' faces. You know, the 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 agony of a missed shot the frustration with the teammate, you're not seeing that the same way you are with basketball players. And so I think there's a closeness that's, that fans feel to them and that makes that betrayal feel even worse. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of another example of, of someone like that, but, you know, the actors don't change, don't change studios like that, you know? Right, yeah. No, I think you know. I I've never really thought about it like that, but 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 I, yeah, I think you're onto something there. I I I definitely, 
you know, there, there, there's a certain accessibility to to the NBA players, you know, perceived or not, that that might not be there with the other sports. So so the fans feel a little more connected. Um, I would say to a certain extent, uh, soccer, as much as you guys love hearing about <laughs> soccer, but you, you think you think the Durant um, Durant Westbrook drama was bad and Durant leaving when a when a big time player leaves a club in in English soccer or European soccer, it, I mean, it, it's I, I literally the the world burns to the ground. I mean, the fans, you know, I say when Brett Favre left Green Bay, rioted. They didn't riot. When when a when a when a major player leaves a club in European soccer, the city really riots. Like like people die and get stabbed and like. <laughs> rocks get thrown through 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 business storefronts it's it's crazy um you're really and, selling and us think... on how awesome soccer is mario man bricks through storefronts well, if there you is... get more money everybody go play soccer overseas in europe please <laughs> it's i mean it's it, it's it's crazy uh, but the, but there is that that closeness that connection that 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 the players that the fans the supporters feel with their with their clubs and and with their players and and man, that when they feel betrayed, boy, That's watch crazy. out! Watch now, out! Now, Steph, I wanna I wanna step into the O Club here for a second because I'm I'm thinking of something too. Now, <laughs> it, I don't know if you ever had anyone come to you as a leader and say, "Wow, you know, I think I want to do something different in the Marine Corps, but I wonder how it's going to be perceived internally." Because there are uh, communities within the Coast Guard, whether it's cuttermen or aviators, tactical law enforcement, um, you know, Marine environmental response, pollution. Uh, the the kind of the whole prevention side of things um, where people are in the regulatory aspect of regulating shipping traffic. Whatever Ashton Kutcher did. That, yes, yes. Let's bring on... I mean, you are really going for the lowest. Ashton Kutcher jokes? Man, I, I'm i going to expect more from you when I come back on my second podcast. But uh, no, Steph, I mean, are there, are there communities within the Marine Corps where people are going to be afraid to jump from one to the other? I mean, they might get this level of, of kind of hassle from, from their peers? I definitely don't think so. I mean, and coming from the the O Club, I mean, good officers are going to help their Marines do whatever they want to do uh, and be be there for that professional development and that career development. I mean, that being said, if I stood to gain millions of dollars from keeping my corporal where he was, well, I would try to do everything in my power to keep that corporal where he was. But since, you know, you don't necessarily join the Marine Corps for the cash, no, good officers will, will help people where they're at and shitty officers will do what they can to destroy careers or not do anything at all. So the parallel there isn't isn't as strong simply because there's no economic benefit to my not helping right. somebody. No, I'm just wondering if there's something people will feel. You know, I'm sure Kevin Durant thought through a bunch of different things. He had all kinds of different options and he had all kinds of criteria. I'm just wondering, you know, he he knew he was going to take flack for this. Um, you know, I'm just wondering if there's, if there's that parallel somewhere in the, in the military where, you know, I... You know, if you're someone who starts off your career on a ship and you're like, wow, I think w- what my, I want my rate to be in the Coast Guard is I want to go into aviation. And, you know, the people on the cutter are going are gonna to rip that person pretty good. Um, well, yeah, because that job sucks way less. So there's always that sense <laughs> of like, fuck you, you're going to have a better job. But uh, no, I don't think it, it's anything. I think with every, every job, any career field, you're going to have that. If you build a good team, a strong team, and you're effective, once you get into that stage where you're actually just really working well as a team and clicking and being productive, it's a punch to the nuts to, uh, to have someone leave that team. But again, you know, at the end of the day, 
every man has to be out there for himself. Every person has to do what's absolutely best for, for them. Right. And so, and maybe this is a millennial yeah. thing too. I mean, I think, you know, we're all kind of uh, of that generation where we're watching and saying, how can I, how can I be the most upwardly mobile? And I, you know, it's not always for selfish reasons, but I mean, there's a lot of other things in play here where you, you think, you know, the, those bonds of loyalty of organizational loyalty don't, don't hold people the same way that they used to. And I wonder if that's something that the average fan, when they're watching these, these, you know, young, young men and young women change teams, you know, voluntarily, if that rubs them the wrong way, even as they're ignoring the many players that get traded involuntarily have to pack up and go live, you know, in a hotel room in Milwaukee, because they got, they were, they were part of the, the ballast to get, you know, get a better shooting guardian or something like that. You got a problem with Milwaukee, I have son? Absolutely no problem <laughs> with cheese curds or craft beer or heart attacks. I have no problems with Milwaukee at all. Um, and you know, I mean, we've been we've been talking about a number of different things, and and you know, we've been talking for forty minutes here. I'm just I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna step on the landmine. Do you think there's anything in the average fan that maybe watching a bunch of young African Americans, some with tattoos, some not? get to pick and choose where they're going to go regardless of the aspects of loyalty. Do you think there's anything to that, even as we're kind of entering our post post-racial world? Well, 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 Mike, the, the, the first thing I would say to that is, is what did you mention earlier? Peyton Manning, not a big deal. Kevin Durant leaving big deal. You know, I, I, so I would say, I, I feel like, yes, I feel like there is. I, th- I feel like there might be a large subsect of of fans that, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, are a little uncomfortable with you know with a young black man, you know, making millions of dollars and having so much agency over his own life, um, and making the decisions, uh, you know, basically, you know, telling a white owner, no, I'm going to do it my way. I yeah yeah I'm going to jump on that landmine with you and say yes. Um, you know, I, I, I would, you know, I kind of equate it to the, the whole notion of, you know, when, um, uh, God, I'm, 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 I'm having a brain fart here. Uh, Carolina Panthers, uh, Cam quarterback, Newton. Cam Newton, Cam Newton, when, you know, when Cam Newton celebrates and does a Superman and, and gets really, gets really rambunctious and excited. Oh, you know, he's, uh, he needs to be more professional. He's a leader. You know, why is he acting so immature? But when any other white athlete does it, it's, oh, they're so, they're, when Brett Favre did it, it was, oh, he's such a kid. That gunslinger just loves to play the game. Er, der, ber, ber, ber. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, yeah. I, yes. Old, so, old white fans all talk like the two guys from the Muppets. <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. Wait, so are you guys telling me that if, if Brady were to leave the Patriots and go to another team, that McKinnon is not going to just curl up in a ball and cry and scream and all the other mass holes that love the Patriots aren't going to lose their shit entirely. I'm not saying it's not I, a racial I, issue. I mean, just like asking. I, I think there's, there's a lot that goes into all of these, right? There's, there was a lot that went into, uh, there's a lot that makes what happened with Peyton Manning different than what happened with Kevin Durant. I mean, Peyton Manning was coming off of multiple neck surgeries. Um, you know, they had his replacement pretty much waiting at Stanford with Andrew Luck. Uh, but, you know, if I, if I think back to the level of vitriol that LeBron got, and I, I didn't agree with the way that LeBron, you know, announced that he was going to Miami. Uh, 
couple of years ago. But the, the the jersey burning, the this guy's a traitor, the owner taking out a full page ad to slam not to slander him, that's that's a legal term, uh, but to blast him, uh, you know, in the Cleveland papers. It's just it does come back to when these guys have the opportunity to make a choice. That what choice they make, if it's if it's leaving, if it's choosing to take control of their own lives, it does get met with a level of vitriol that doesn't show up in other sports um but i do think i mean it's a good point stephanie i mean i want you know if Derek jeter had had left the yankees uh gosh if gretzky had chosen you know uh Edmonton, i'm trying to think of a couple other ones where you know maybe if, if that choice is there um if it does make it differently and there's always a lot of factors here it's just this was one where it was you know any other human being who has the opportunity to go from an organization and a life, um, you know, it's 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 got to be hard for a seven foot tall black guy in Oklahoma City, you know. But he's going to choose <laughs> to go to a team where they pass the ball, where they've got a wonderful coach, where they've got two other shooters, where they've got, you know, Draymond Green, who's as unique a player in the modern NBA as we can think of, who can, you know, guard four positions, who can play center and and shoot threes and really makes that line up a death go i'm i'm pretty sure any free agent would choose to go there over staying with with russell westbrook having to share shots and having to constantly hear the uh oh is he taking shots from you should you be more aggressive I mean, he's more aggressive while you're too aggressive you know i think there's there is an element of that that comes into play here that you know just just watch for it watch for it the next time somebody else uh comes up for free agency and, and see if it happens again. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, c- can I just make a real quick aside? Uh, you had, you had mentioned, I promise, I promise I won't rant guys, but you just, <laughs> you had mentioned what a wonderful, <laughs> you had mentioned what a wonderful coach, uh, Steve Kerr was. And, uh, and I just wanted to, to tell a quick story. Uh, cause I, I don't know if a lot of people know this story, but it's basically what happened to his, to his father. Um, do, do, do you know I'm, I'm vaguely familiar with it, but I, I want to, I want you to explain it and get it out. Yeah. So, so his father, um, was, was assassinated, uh, in Beirut. He was a, he was a foreign service officer and, um, and, and he was shot twice in the head and killed. He, 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 he was known in the diplomatic corps as someone who, uh, he dedicated his life to, to bridging the divide between Christians, Muslims, and Jews. Um, you know, it, even in a, you know, it, I mean, this was, this was in the eighties. Um, you know, the, the, the main villain at that, at that time was, was Russia. Um, but, but this man, he, you know, he, he saw this, this tension in the middle East and, and he really wanted to, um, you know, bridge that divide and, and, and try to try to bring some peace to all that tension and turmoil. And, uh, and he sacrificed his, his life for it. And, um, uh, Steve Kerr was actually in college when this happened. And, you know, this is something that he's always carried with him. And, and I just think it's, um, you know, Steve Kerr, you know, and I, of course I don't want to get too political, but um, you know, with, with the, you know, the times that we have now with, with Trump and, and everything that's going on with, with the Muslim ban and, and Trump's crazy rhetoric, um, you know, Steve Kerr, along with coach pop down in San Antonio have been vocal voices in the, in, in the NBA speaking out against Trump and, and Steve Kerr, despite, 
despite having his father assassinated by, you know, by a Muslim, has had a very balanced and open and uh, uniting uh, voice, you know, against uh, Trump's rhetoric and against racial um, racial uh, discrimination and religious discrimination. So good on you, Steve Kerr. Good on you, Coach Pop. Um, no, that's that's phenomenal. You you bring so, up, go, go go ahead, Stephanie. I want to hear this. Oh, I was gonna say I'm gonna jump in with my political rant because I've never done it. Uh, rant on, guys, clear today. out, clear out. She's uh, going one on one. So I, I consider North Carolina my home, and you know the All Star Game was moved from Charlotte to uh, to New Orleans. So I kind of want to give a shout out to the NBA for moving the game uh, because of House Bill Two or the, the bathroom bills. It's known. So especially after our last show where I think Mario and I took a very hard stance against the, and uh, Dan Webb took a really hard stance against a lot that's going on in sports and people not seeming to care. So it's kind of nice that, you know, you have that uh, Coach Carr, uh, Coach Popovich, and then the NBA as a whole kind of coming together of saying we're not okay with the discrimination and we're going to take steps to make sure that, that our voice is actually heard on that. So End of rant for me. I just want to say thank you very much to the NBA and God damn it, North Carolina, get your shit together. Well, thank God for that last line, Stephanie, because I was going to say that hardly counts as a rant. That was like a measured statement. It was a it was a monologue. I, it, was a, it was a monologue. I am far more I am far more diplomatic than Mario. I will say. <laughs> you got to let the rage go. No, I think you guys are both hitting on something I, that's important, <laughs> and I think this is another thing that 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 you can talk about. When it comes to this, I mean, NBA players have by far been the most vocal about any number of issues, issues. that have yeah. related to any number of communities. And it's been interesting because, you know, when LeBron, you know, Le- LeBron will speak out, LeBron will say something, a couple of other prominent NBA players, Dwayne Wade, uh, Carmelo Anthony even, who I normally don't have any patience for, um, have, have been people that have taken a, a hard stance on a lot of the social issues that have been popping up the last three or four years. Um, yeah. Wearing the, I can't breathe right, t-shirt. Right. Talking, just talking in general yeah. about police violence. I mean, uh, and gosh, I think our president even uh, had the gall to go ahead and shout out uh, Dwayne Wade's cousin that you know had some issues going on as well. So um, it's been interesting to see, but it, it has been nice to see these people, these you know, supposedly pampered athletes that are concerned with more than themselves. Right, especially when you have the NFL pussyfooting around social issues, whether it's domestic abuse, uh, uh, you know, racial issues, all this stuff. Um, it, it's nice to see the NBA and the players doing what they're doing. No, that's that's uh, that's awesome. Well, we've gotten uh, we've gotten two Mario rants three mario rants we've cleared out for steph to talk about bathrooms and we got a new guy on to talk about race i think that about covers it um listen i I wanted to to thank you guys for inviting me on um it's it's been a pleasure it's been something i've been looking forward to for the past two weeks um heartfelt thank you for for giving me the opportunity to come on here and and talk about this stuff with you guys Hey, Mike, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, and uh, besides thanking you for being on the show, I just want to give a heartfelt thank you to Ashton Kutcher uh, for showing the world what it means to be a Coast Guardsman. 
um, it, it really did you guys proud. I, I'm assuming. I mean, I didn't watch the movie, but hey. I, I'm. I mean, it's Ashton Kutcher. You know, it had to Again. be good, right? Don't leave out Kevin Costner. At the old, <laughs> the old wizened coasty right there. We can't bring up Kevin Costner. He's kind of respectable, Stephanie. That was nah, the whole point. Not really. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Waterworld. Hey, Waterworld. Right there. He was basically a Coast Guardsman That's in Waterworld. He was a he was a coastie in Robin Hood too. He was making things happen. He was uniting people. He was uh, linking agencies. He was doing all kinds of things the Coast Guard does every day. So. Uh, oh, and folks, and we're out of time. <laughs> well, hey, I I did just want to throw out a shout. Uh, if you guys like what you heard. If you didn't like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating. I don't care what you write in the rating. I don't care if you put the lyrics to Hotline Bling in there. Please make sure you give us a five-star rating. And if you're a family member, a close personal friend, if you're one of the sevens of people that I agreed to pay fives of dollars to, please go ahead and like this as well. I would love to come back on and uh, spend time Letting Mario keep making the same Coast Guard joke over and over again. <laughs> Ashton Kutcher, Ashton Kutcher, oh, Ashton Kutcher. Man. That's uh that's all we've got, guys. I uh want to say I appreciate it again and I look forward to uh talking to everybody next time. All right. We are uh the two Marines and the Coastie, and we are out. out. All right. <laughs> you just think you know everything. Your psycho babble bullshit. Why am I here? Why are you here? Huh? You're too old to be doing this. You washed up here. You don't want to be teaching a bunch of kids in a pool, am I right? I don't give a shit what you read or who you talk to. You don't know about me. You don't. I have me under control. Lima Charlie, loud and clear. You're listening to Lima Charlie News.